You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you from the Broadway Podcast Network studios during the heart of the Yankee playoffs. Despite Broadway's favorite team being down two games to one in the American League Championship Series, I'm still pretty excited about the show we have in store for you. You know, one thing I've noticed is an audience at Yankee Stadium is truly as passionate as the ones you come across right here in the theater community. And my guest today knows a thing or two about both ends of the spectrum. A native of Rockland County, she grew up in the heart of one of the most exciting times in Broadway history. Rent, Beauty and the Beast, and The Lion King were all premiering on The Great White Way, just as Jeter, Pettit, and Mariana were debuting on their stage over in the Bronx. She's since gone on to graduate from Penn State University and put together a series of monster home runs and shows that span anything from Nice Work If You Can Get It, Sunset Boulevard, and most recently portraying one of my all-time favorite songwriters, Cynthia Weil in the Tony Award-winning Beautiful. Now, if you'll please direct your attention to Home Plate, just beyond the marquee, now batting, Steph Martinetti. How are you, Steph? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so nice to have you here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, you know what? I mean, how could I not have you here? I think you might be the one person on Broadway who's been to more historic Yankee games than I have. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> how did that happen? Like growing up, I know that you're a native New Yorker, but big Yankee fan house? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad is from the Bronx. Um, so, yeah, he's a hardcore Yankee fan, and I grew up loving the Yankees, watching the Yankees with him. And so we would go to a ton of Yankee games growing up. And you, know, you say a ton of Yankee games, not just any Yankee games. Um, you saw some pretty historic stuff. Why don't, you, why don't you give the folks at home an idea of just, you know, some of those Yankee games that you mentioned? <laughs> I was at the winning game of the 1996 World Series, the Yankees versus the Braves. It was pretty thrilling, I have to say. Um, but I have to give, I was such a brat. I, so my dad, he worked in advertising and so he would get a lot of like boxes and I got to go to suites and all that sort of stuff. And I thought that that was normal because I just 
grew up doing that. And for the the last game of the World Series, my dad was in a box seat and my mom and I were in like loge seats. And I remember being really angry that we weren't in the box. <laughs> my mom was like, I don't, I don't think you understand what's happening here. <laughs> You're in the building, but it's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't know. I mean, it was, compl- I do remember being completely thrilled. I mean, there's nothing like that being, I don't know if I've had a been at a sporting event like that since. I guess similarly would be like my first night game at Penn State University, like going to the first night game, Penn State versus Nebraska. But other than that, the Yankees winning game of the 1996 World Series was pretty thrilling. Now, are you a Beanie Baby fan too? Um, we have Beanie Babies from when I was also at the game. Did I say it was Wells, right? Wells mm-hmm. is um, 98 perfect, um, perfect game. And we have those Beanie baby, Babies still, actually. That is phenomenal. <laughs> that is so cool to me, honestly. I mean, like, you can't ask for two better was, pieces of history than that. It was pretty exciting. Now, I have to ask, you know, those 90s championship teams were your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a favorite player? I mean... Derek Jeter, of course. I mean, what other player would be a 12-year-old girl's favorite? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I also was a big fan of um, Joe Girardi because I grew up, when I was smaller, smaller, I played catcher in softball. I grew up playing softball pretty competitively. And I ended up, once I got older and was actually competitive in it, I was a first baseman. But when I was little, I started as a catcher. So I was into him. You grew up in an Italian family, just like I did. Mm-hmm. Although yours probably isn't as loud as mine. Um, I'm sure, as you know, quite often in our culture, there's a great appreciation of the arts. But, you know, my dad, like your dad, loves sports as well. Mm-hmm. It's like a lineage tradition. Um, was there a pretty big balance in your house growing up between, you know, sports and the arts? I think I really, my interest in the arts is what sort of paved the way for my parents' interest in the arts. Not that they weren't fans of musicals or fans of Broadway, having grown up so close to New York City. they I remember my entire childhood they would go to see Broadway shows. But it wasn't, I guess I came to the arts pretty early. I auditioned for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat on Broadway when I was 10 years old. My school choir auditioned, and that was sort of my first uh, introduction to musicals and to Broadway. So I... And after that, I had a pretty strong passion about it. So my parents were very supportive from an early age. So I don't know if it was me or them leading the way. Maybe it was sort of both, you know. When did you realize that you were good enough to actually want to pursue it beyond adolescence? I went to this program called the Broadway Theater Project for the summers. Um, Anne Ranking used to run it. And it was an audition um, you had to be accepted through auditions. And I my first year there was 99. So I was in high school at the time, or going into high school. And that was the first time I knew I wanted to do it professionally and thought I could because I was that was the first time I was sort of put in a pool of other young, driven artists from all over the country. So it was the first time I was sort of like out of my my like natural habitat of home and competing with other kids from just around where I was from. So I think 
that. I, I don't know. It wasn't like a, it, it just always felt like a really natural progression. So I went to Broadway Theater Project. And then from there, there was a lot of talk about the college programs. And so that sort of on-ramped me into wanting to go pursue it for college. And then depending on the echelons of the college you go to, that's just the point of going to those schools is to then sort of usher you into the professional world. So it was just sort of like one step at a time, not like a, I always knew I wanted to do it. And so I just took it one step at a time, I guess, in that sense. You always knew you wanted to do theater specifically? Yeah, musical theater. What made you choose Penn State? Um, well, I knew I wanted, I didn't want a straight conservatory program um, because I'd grown up playing sports. I knew I wanted something that was a big university feel. And... Um, Penn State just ended up being where I got in, where I felt comfortable. It gave me that that big university feel. Um, and I, I had sort of known Mary Saunders, who was one of the voice faculty there. Um, she was from Rockland County originally, and so I knew her from high school. I'd met her, like crossed paths with her. And so she had been there, and she had then since moved to Penn State. And so that sort of was like a touchstone for me. And so, yeah, I guess all that combined. And then, you know, when you go to a platform like that, first of all, it's a huge school. Mm-hmm. It's a very fun school. Mm-hmm. So I think that you're in good spirits all the time, <laughs> you know, naturally at a place like that, which is pretty important. While you're at Penn State, uh, you got involved with the Music Theater of Wichita, and that's where you get your equity card. How important was that for you? For me and my journey, it was super important because it gave me my equity card. I, so I worked at Wichita the summer after I graduated from Penn State. And I had done other summer stocks throughout college, but the fact that Wichita, which is a really respected summer stock program, um, or summer stock theater rather, gave me my card, it was super important for me to be able to then, once I moved to the city, I had my equity card. I didn't have to worry about that. And so, yeah, it was super important. Also, it exposed me to a lot of really talented kids from other programs like Michigan and OCU and uh, just a bunch of other programs. So it was a really great jumping off point. I'm super grateful to them. I'll always be grateful to them for giving me my equity card. On a baseball parallel perspective, once you graduate, it's like kind of like getting drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really have a long minor league journey. you got cast and touring productions of A Chorus Line and Mary Poppins fairly quickly after graduating. What does that do for your confidence when right away out of college, you know, you have the employment? Mm-hmm. Most actors and actresses don't necessarily have that happen so soon after graduating. Yeah, I am I was so lucky that that came along when it came along for me. My sort of journey with A Chorus Line um, started while I was in college and I had been auditioning for the Broadway production for the revival. And so before, I was actually late to my season at Music Theater of Wichita. I was late to Cats rehearsals in Wichita because I had a final callback on the stage. Um, I don't even remember what theater now, of course, line was at. Maybe the Broadhurst? I'm probably wrong. Schubert? I don't know. Final callback. At um, on stage at the House of a Chorus Line for Maggie on Broadway. It was wild. I mean, like what dreams are made of, but also completely terrifying. Like I had just, just graduated college and 
the stakes like couldn't have been higher for me. Um, and I ended up, I didn't get it. And then I sort of went through an entire um, audition process rather for the tour. And it was a very rigorous process. I think I was probably in for them like over 10 times reading probably at least five characters and, you know, all that. But at that time for me, Chorus Line was the only show I wanted to do. It was the brass ring. You know, I would have done anything to be a part of it. And I was just really lucky that it came along and that I actually ended up booking it. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Steph, you have to be super competitive in this business. I've always been curious, for someone who also has an athletic background like you do, how do you think something like that prepares you for a very challenging industry? Yeah, that's such a good question because I think about that a lot because I am competitive. I really am in, in a, just as a part of who I am. I have like a natural competitive streak. And obviously like growing up doing sports, that sort of enhanced it. It prepares you, because I think it gives you sort of a perseverance. Um, but it took me a while it took time and maturity for me to know how to funnel that competitiveness in a way that was um, useful. So, it, you know, I think when you're younger, the instinct is to compete against other people. And then college really helped me to realize I was competing against myself. Um, Penn State, at least at the time when I was there, their, the way they graded was you against you. So it's not like if you're the best in a ballet class, you're a definite A+. Plus. Um, it's about if you've improved throughout the semester. It doesn't matter if you're the worst one in the class. If you show improvement, you can get an A. If you're, you know, if you're the best one in the class, but you haven't sort of moved the needle forward in your work, you're not going to get an A. And so I think that was really smart of them. And it, it was a big lesson for me overall that I'm constantly competing with myself to improve myself. And I think I, I hope I've been able to sort of use that competitive nature to expect more of me. I think it certainly served you pretty well because, <laughs> you know, even at a young age, because not long after, you know, your touring productions, uh, you were doing some regional theater work in D.C., and you get a call about nice work if you can get it. Tell the folks at home a little bit about how that came about. Um, so nice work 
the auditions came up. I was working at Arena Stage in D.C., like you said. Um, I was doing Oklahoma, a really beautiful regional theater production of it. And I was sort of shuttling back and forth between D.C. and New York for the auditions. And Did you have an agent at that point? Yeah, I I got an agent out of school um, from, like, we did a senior showcase right at graduation time. So... Uh, and yeah, I got that uh, those appointments through my agent. And uh, it was directed and choreographed by Kathleen Marshall. And she sort of is known for sort of ha- having her people, as a lot of choreographers are, I guess. And I had never worked with her, never auditioned for her. I had zero expectations of getting hired to do that job based on that alone. When you say having her people, Mm -hmm. are you talking about there's a specific type of performer? Like in baseball, you know, certain general managers Mm. want lefty power. They want switch hitters. They want, uh, you know, curveball throwing pitchers. Mm -hmm. Are we talking about, you know, a certain skill set that she likes or she has certain favorite, you know, players in the industry or actresses? Or actresses in the industry. Yeah, I think I think you know there are so many talented people in this field, and so the thing, the because there are so many talented people in this field, um, choreographers and directors once they get to know certain performers, aside from the fact that they're talented, if they just know they work well with them, like them, like having them in the room, get along with them, they'll want to continue to work with them. It's a, a safety thing, I think, for them and for everyone. You know you know that they can get the job done, and you know you like them. And you spend a lot of time with people when you're putting up a new show. So I didn't know Kathleen, so I wasn't expecting anything from it. I just wanted to do well in the auditions, and I kept getting called back. And um, I ended up getting invited to the final callback, and I would have had to miss a performance at Arena Stage. And I asked the stage manager for the day for the day off, and they said no. And I remember being like, well, that's it. Like, definitely not going to make my Broadway debut this time. Or, you know, and I was pretty upset about it. And about a week later, my agent called and said, oh, they want you to go back in for nice work. Um, they'll have a, an audition for you on this day. And I was like, oh, I thought the finals already happened. And they said, no, 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 they're still having auditions. I said, okay. I went in. I had a private audition. It was me, Kathleen Marshall, her associate, David Eggers, David Chase, the music supervisor, and that's it. And I, and she is the loveliest, and so she was like, okay, do you want David to go over the dance with you? And I did it, and she was like, great, do you want to do it again? And I did it again, all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, then they had me read some sides, they had me sing, they vocalized me, and about an hour later, my agent called and said, uh, do you want to come down into the off- to the office? And I went to the office, and they told me that I had gotten it. What did that feel like? It was super exciting. Um, and my, my original offer for Nice Work actually was to swing the show, so to not be on stage, to, to understudy the ensemble women. And um, then a couple months later, there was some, like, movement around with the offers, and I don't really know exactly what happened. I think someone ended up um, um, dropping out of the project, and so they called me back in and with sides to understudy Kelly O'Hara. And so I went back in, and I did all the material uh, to understudy Kelly, and then later that day, I got a call that I had been moved on stage. My track had been moved on stage, and I'd be understudying Kelly O'Hara. 
And that was sort of like the the big moment for me. I mean, just like, I mean, I cried when I found out I got it, but this was like <laughs> overwhelming to, you know, especially someone that I had looked up to for so long to be able to get to understudy them was completely thrilling. You say it's thrilling, but is it also intimidating? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Kelly is um, one of the greatest musical theater artists of our time and will probably end up being one of the greatest musical theater artists of all time. In my humble opinion, I just think she's she's like an angel person. She's amazing uh, and so magnetic, and her voice is just like from the heavens. So yeah, it was super intimidating, especially making my Broadway debut. I was 25 years old or 26 years old. Um, the whole first week of rehearsal, my arms were covered in hives because I was convinced I was going to get fired. I don't even know, like for no real reason, just convinced like I shouldn't be there and I was going to get fired <laughs> and I was freaking out. Um, so it, now it would still be intimidating, but I've done it enough to like know my process and to know what I do as a performer versus what Kelly does. Luckily, I have an amazing voice teacher, Matt Farnsworth, who kept reminding me as we worked on all that material to not try to do an impression of Kelly O'Hara because I can't. If I could, well, that would have been awesome for me, but I can't. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, to just like find my own voice with it and find my own way with it. But, um, Yeah, it was equally thrilling and super intimidating, but, you know, I I was just so excited to have an excuse to creep on Kelly, basically. (laughs) 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 It was was awesome. That's honestly incredible. You know, um, I'm sure you know A-Rod. A-Rod has talked in the past about, you know, when he grew up, he idolized Cal Ripken Jr., Mm -hmm. for example. And one year into the league in 1996, he was playing alongside him in the All-Star game. And they were in the same lineup. All of a sudden, you're in the same lineup as Kelly O'Hara. Was it, I guess, getting through that first production where you feel like you got your first base hit? Or do you feel more like, you know, did it really take some time to feel like, hey, I belong here. I can do this. It definitely took me some time, for sure. I don't think it was until, probably until Sunset Boulevard that I finally felt like this is what I do. And with help from my husband, just being like, this is what you do. Like, you don't have to apologize for it. Or, you know, you can trust yourself or you belong here. Like, you know, it it wasn't about, uh, it wasn't about how many jobs I'd done. It was just about finding my footing and being confident with my process, I think is for me. Yeah. So that's where coaching comes into acting as well. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an acting coach or a voice coach. It's that little bit of help that you get on the mental side of things too. And that support system, because I'm sure, you know, just like in baseball, that means everything. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I have to say like, cause I still will play. Well, I didn't play this year because I got pregnant, but um, (laughs) I play in the Broadway show league and I still feel like playing like the jitters I get before I play a game, like weirdly are very similar to the jitters before I like go on in an understudy role for the first time. (laughs) That's actually pretty awesome to hear, honestly, (laughs) that, you know, the athletic field still gives you the same, that same rush. I love to hear that. Because it's both, um, it's both, I mean, it's more quantitative, like if you, or just more definitive, if you've succeeded in sports, you either win or you lose. And that's something I really love about sports. But because it's so physical, like what we do as actors and 
musical theater performers, singing, and all that sort of stuff, there is just an element of the unknown of how your body is going to perform in that moment, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I think that's what makes it, that's something that is always on the mind of, at least for me as an audience member or, you know, someone in the crowd at Yankee Stadium, uh, there's such an emotional side to it. And, you know, because you know that that performer that's, you know, it's not like going to the movies, as you know. It's not like watching a show on TV. What you're seeing is happening before your eyes. And I think that that's, that's part of why the connection, uh, you know, for an audience member at a Broadway show and, you know, someone who's going to a game at Yankee Stadium, that's why we really, really are so passionate about these things because performers like you uh, make us realize the human element of it. So that's really cool. <laughs> you do nice work. You're doing the Tony Awards, the Macy's Parade, some real championship moments. Uh, not long after, you mentioned earlier the revival of Sunset Boulevard alongside Glenn Close. And you actually got to originate an actual role that wasn't in the original Sunset Boulevard. I like to compare that to the American League incorporating a DH into the game. It wasn't in the original <laughs> rule book, but sometimes the production has to adapt and create a role that makes for a better product. What was that like for you? It was really exciting. Um, Sunset Boulevard was sort of a, a, it was just like a dreamy experience from the very beginning. Um, when I was going through the audition process and there was like this sort of dance-like audition and they were saying it was for a, like a Glenn Close, like a young Glenn Close part and, you know, no one sort of really knew exactly what was going on. My agents didn't really know what was going on, um, what that was, what that really meant. Um, and when I got hired, and they sort of explained to me what it would be, but they didn't know if they were going to expand it from London or make it smaller from London or, you know, it was still sort of very up in the air. Um, and then once they explained to me what it would be, so I played sort of the memory of Norma Desmond. So they, you know, they called it Young Norma. And I sort of was like this ghost-like, because she's not dead, obviously, in the <laughs> show, um, ghost-like character where I just sort of, again, just got to creep on the star of the show. And I just was on stage sort of in the, in the shadows, essentially, as like a 1920s version of Norma Desmond um, throughout the show. And it was... You know, I just didn't know if it was going to work as far as storytelling when we first started. And so I just kept being like, I, I hope this isn't a weird thing. I hope it aids in the storytelling, you know, that sort of thing. And mainly just didn't want to be in Glenn Close's way. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it was it was amazing. It was really, really cool to get to do that feature and have extra time on stage to watch her work because she was nothing short of tremendous. Is it scary to meet your heroes on Broadway? Yeah, now now I think I'm a little bit more um, not you. It's you're never used to meeting someone that you really look up to, but it's I'm less intimidated and more just really excited to see them up close or see their process or you know as opposed to when I was younger, I, I would be more afraid. There was more fear around it. And now I'm just, it's very exciting to see people work up close like that. To see Glenn Close work is amazing. She's the real deal. She really, really is. It was thrilling. Did you learn a lot from her? 
I, I did. Well, A, I learned that age is just a number. I mean, she turned 70 while we were doing that show. And she was amazing. Her energy, her compassion, the way she, she was a real leader in the company and embraced everyone in the company and had no ego about being, you know, such a big name, being the, we all knew, like, the reason why we did that revival was her, you know, people were coming to see her. And she took that seriously as far as an actress and as far as showing up to work and the dedication that she has and the passion that she has. Um, so, yeah. And and I don't know. I have to say, like, I uh, she's the first time that I saw an actor up close, I guess, who's that famous, saw them work up close and just... Sometimes you think, oh, that person, they, they're talented, but they also got really lucky or whatever. No, she, she's incredible. She's really amazing. It was, just, it was just such a treat to watch her work up close because she was so committed every night. It was um, so emotionally available every night. It was amazing. And you know what? Those are virtues that can really carry you for for a long time in this industry. So mm-hmm. uh, that must have been pretty invaluable. So uh, I do love Glenn Close for many reasons. Um, she is a huge baseball fan, which I think is awesome. But we we, we got to get her off this Mets train. Now she's like doing these <laughs> anthems over at City Field all the time. We just got we, let's let's bring her over to our side. Steph. <laughs> okay, you think we can set that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Coming up, Steph leaves the Boulevard for an office at sixteen fifty Broadway. It's time for the seventh inning stretch here on Break a Bat. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Steph, before we head off to the studios over at 1650 Broadway, I thought you and I could play a little game. Okay. It's called the seventh inning stretch. Game's on hold for a few minutes. The groundskeepers are tidying up the infield. Take me out to the ball game is playing on the PA system. But you want to stay in your game. Your chance to go into the batting cage in the clubhouse, get some swings in to stay loose. But you're not going to be swinging at baseballs tonight. You're going to be swinging at some trivia questions, and we've got a little prize at stake. Half are going to be Broadway, and the other half are going to be baseball. How does that sound? Good. So I have like a 50% shot of getting, well, I don't know. Who knows if we'll even get the Broadway ones right. Here's what we're going to do to keep it interesting. I figured we'd cover some of the shows that you've been in, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily your characters, just to keep things fun. 
There's going to be six questions. You get four right, you win the prize. Cool. All right. Batter up. There's a saying old says that love is blind. Still, we're often told. Seek and you shall find. All right. Number one. <laughs> now, we're going to start our first baseball question here. Okay. And my producer, Alan Seals, has offered to be a lifeline for you for oh, any baseball-related question. <laughs> I just have to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Name the two primary catchers on the late 90s Yankees teams. Oh, well, I already said Joe Girardi. Oh, gosh, I, I have no, I can't remember who the other one was. Like I said, I only had eyes for Joe Girardi. <laughs> I had a crush on him. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Who was it? I'm dying to know. The other one was Jorge Posada. Oh, of course. Of course. That's all right. Uh, That's all right. That's mm -hmm. all right. You've got four more questions. All you need to get are half of them. Right, okay. <laughs> Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil wrote the song on Broadway for which group? Um, was it the Drifters? It, it was, was the right? Drifters. I mean, that's All what right. they do in our show. But then <laughs> the girl, it's funny because in Beautiful, like the women's groups are a little different than like the names that they, like the Cookies did a song um, in real life that we don't have like the group, the cookies and beautiful. So that's the only reason why I hesitated about the drifters. <laughs> <laughs> Which Yankee holds the nickname, Mr. November? Um, oh, um, I can't remember. I'm feeling my dad's going to be so disappointed in me. <laughs> But I'm dying to know the answer. <laughs> I'll give you a clue. Okay. From what I understand, you might have met him once. Oh, Derek Jeter? It's Derek Jeter. Oh, he was Mr. November? Wait, why didn't <laughs> I know that? He was the first player in baseball history to hit a World Series home run or a home run in general during the month of November. Because after 9-11, oh. the World Series got delayed, uh -huh. and they picked it up uh, late October, and oh. that was game four. Oh, so interesting. You I deserved a clue. That. Yeah, Alan could thanks. have Googled it, but that's all right. He <laughs> wanted to keep it fun. There'll be good times again for me and you, but we just can't stay together. Don't you feel it too? What are you so glad for? Wait, what? What am I so... Oh, are you asked me to finish a lyric? Hold on. I'll say it again. Uh, it's so weird out of context. That's why I said we we're going to keep it interesting, not yeah. necessarily your characters. Mm -hmm. There'll be good times again for me and you, but we just can't stay together. Don't you feel it too? Because it's too late, baby. Is that the next line? I don't even know. I know it's in too late. That It is from it's too late. I'm going to fail all these. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Can you tell me? <laughs> I'm glad for what we had and how oh, I once yeah. loved you. All right. <laughs> You were at David Wells' perfect game. Yes. Which other Yankee named David threw a perfect game the next season? Cone. All right. Boom. I knew one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. We got one. I met him two, too, three. actually. Yeah, you know what? You got the four right. You met David oh, Cone too? Yeah. Oh, that must have been awesome. Tell, yeah. tell me more about that. I think when I met him, so like I said, my dad worked in advertising. And so when the Yankees won the World Series, there was a big party at Gracie Mansion. And I know this is so Are you kidding we, me? We, went to, <laughs> we went to the party at Gracie Mansion. That's <laughs> I met insane. David Cohen. <laughs> You're just saying that 
it so casually. We we went to we also went to spring training. I'll have to send you pictures. I have like all these pictures of me, like when I'm like 12 or 13, like super awkward with all these Yankees. Heck yeah, I'll use it to promote the episode. That's awesome. I I just want to see them anyway, but that's like I'm gonna live by you know, I'm gonna go back and relive my childhood vicariously through you right now. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Now let me give you your let me give you your prize, by the way. All right. So now listen, I didn't want to create any problems at home because I know that your husband is a tremendous Cleveland Indians fan. Yes. So I kept a Yankee logo off of this one. (laughs) All right. Got a little prize for you. It is the very first authentic Break a Bat podcast long sleeve t-shirt that we are giving out to our guests. Ah! And it actually has, it has Araldus Chapman's number up on front, Chapman on Broadway. He's kind of like our mascot. Yeah. And then we've got the logo on the back and- that's awesome. And no one will get in trouble because there's you. no like, you know, there's no Yankee logo, there's no Indian logo, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's it's just representing the industry. I love know? that. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. <laughs> so, you know, your husband is an Indians fan. What's that like, you know, come October and these guys are facing off against each other or, you know, in, in this particular this particular year, only the Yankees made it in the playoffs. Yeah. Does, it, does it get competitive? Well, I, gosh, I really hate to admit this. And again, like my father will be really, really upset. But, you know, since the Indians are the only baseball team that's like on in my house now, sort of, you know, Francisco Lindor seems really charming. Fan of him. We have Aaron Jason Judge. What are, you, what are you doing? Like, come <laughs> on, you have options here too. Also, it, you know, it was the first time in my life. I've been with my husband for a really long time. We've been together for over 10 years. And it's the first time in my life I saw how everyone else views a lot of, like, views the Yankees. <laughs> And it's all inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, they take all the Indians players from the farm team. And like, you know. that is true. You know what? That did happen recently. Yeah. All right. He, he has a little bit of gripe. I get it. <laughs> also, you know, I just think like it's the whole Cleveland sports fan thing. So just, just always be upset. <laughs> do you have like a LeBron jersey in your backpack or something right now? Is I, that like I do love LeBron. Yeah. I do. I'm big. Yeah. Yeah. I still like LeBron, even though he left the Cavs. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're I'm sort of a Cleveland sports fan. You know, being pregnant, I literally had to lay down for him like I will give you I will give you Cleveland fandom. Like our kid can be a Indians fan, like even though I mean my dad will definitely try to put her in some Yankees gear, I'm sure. But I was like, but the one thing I will not give up, I will give you every Cleveland sports team but she will not be an Ohio State fan. Oh. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely not. Penn State all the way. Like, that's the one thing I cannot compromise We got on. a baby Nittany Lion on our hands. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, some people negotiate, like, religion and stuff like that. <laughs> you negotiate uh, college football fans. Yes, yes, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> now, Stephanie, in recent years, you've really established yourself as an entity on Broadway once you got your first lead role. It's not just any lead role. You landed spot in Beautiful playing Cynthia Weil, kind of like going from the nine slot in the order right into the two hole. Tell us a little bit about how you get cast and then how you transitioned into taking over Cynthia. Um, well, Beautiful, not unlike, not unlike uh, Nice Work, how I had sort of a journey. I had auditioned for Beautiful many times um, over the years. And either to understudy Cynthia or to play Cynthia for Broadway, for the tour. I'd been in a bunch of times. 
And so when I got uh, a call for the audition to um, be in the ensemble, to play Marilyn and to understudy Cynthia, I was sort of like, okay, yeah, I'll go in and I'll do the same thing I do and I still won't get the job. Sure, I'll go, I'll go in for them though. And um, definitely a good testament to like sort of whatever's meant to be will be because I had bronchitis at the time. And I went in and I did the scenes and I sang um, the Cynthia stuff and I sang the Marilyn song. And then they were like, okay, can you wait outside? And then, you know, a couple minutes later they called me back in and the casting director was like, are you sick? And I said, yeah. And he was like, oh, the music director thought so. So I went back in and the music director was like, oh, how's that cold? And I was like, oh, God bless you. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks for noticing I'm sick. And so um, he was like, okay, can you just try it one more time? He needed, me to, he needed to hear something that I was sort of laying off of because I was nervous about my voice giving out. And luckily I was able to do it. And then I was able to book the show, which was super exciting. I, You know, sometimes you go see shows and you see it and you think, oh, I'm, I'm really right for that. Or, oh, I, I know I'm in my heart. I know I'm going to be a part of that show one day. And Beautiful was sort of never one of those shows. I guess I, because I danced so much in my younger career and that show is such a, like a singer, quote unquote, singer, actor show. I just thought, oh, I don't know. I'm not good enough to be a part of that show. Um, so it was really exciting to get to, to be a part of it. Also, fun fact, I played on Beautiful's softball team their first year, I think. It was their first year. I played on their softball team um, way before I <laughs> booked the show. So I was able to just reuse my old jersey <laughs> when I joined. You were like the ultimate ringer because you had like legit experience playing growing up. When the, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I joined the company, one of the stage managers who also plays on the softball team, he was introducing me to people around the building, and he was like, she plays on the softball team, too. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's something interesting about that show, because it seems like a whole bunch of Cynthia Wiles have just like gotten pregnant recently, you not being an exception to this. Mm -hmm. um, when you look back, uh, what type of legacy do you think it leaves behind here on Broadway, and how did a role like that impact you? Um. Cynthia is such a great role because it's not that stereotypical, like, wide-eyed ingenue. Um, I understudied Betty Schaefer in Sunset Boulevard, and she's sort of— I mean, she's a really smart character, but there's a lot of that character, which is that, like, wide-eyed ingenue. And so it was so fun to play a woman who knows who she is and knows what she wants. And to also really— get to do such like a comedic role. I hadn't really done, I mean, nice work. That was a, a comedic role, but that the um, that character, Kelly O'Hara's role, was sort of the straight man in the comedy. And so this was really fun to get to have a lot of laugh lines. And it's just a really fun atmosphere, the whole show and that role. Um, and I think it's a testament to it since all these people got pregnant doing it. They're happy. <laughs> you're like happy when you're making other people laugh or something. I don't know. <laughs> I have to say, aside from Anika Larson, who was the original Cynthia getting pregnant, and then Carol Lindsay, who was playing the role while I was understudying her, she got pregnant and I got pregnant at the same time. We're, our due dates are three and a half weeks apart. Um, turns out... So we, we did an article with Broadway World, and we got to take some fun pictures backstage of us in the same costume, costumes and wigs with our baby bumps, and um, it got put on Twitter, and turns out that the West End production of Beautiful 
the Cynthia and her understudy got pregnant at the same time also. All right, this is this is pretty ridiculous mm-hmm. at this point. Now, I have to ask. Now, you know that you're having a girl. You mentioned that mm-hmm. earlier. Um, has there been any coordination among the Cynthias about potentially naming any of them who are having a daughter Cynthia? <laughs> no, but I will say that my Italian family, the first thing they said is that we should name her Bella because I was doing beautiful when I got ah, pregnant. touche. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could certainly appreciate that. <laughs> now that the show's over, uh, you're very involved with the newly formed Hysterical Women's Society. Tell us a little bit about what you have going on over there. Thank you for asking. Um, so we're a, a sort of a grassroots organization formed by uh, women from the Broadway community and beyond. And we're fighting for women's reproductive rights. We're fighting to end the stigma around abortion. Um, and yeah, it's, we're up to some really exciting things. We were formed about four and a half months ago. At the end of July, we did our first fundraising event, and we were able to raise over $60,000 for the ACLU of New York and Planned Parenthood. And now we're we're waiting to get our 501c3 um, cleared so that we'll be like a full-blown charitable organization. And we have a um, education series, a monthly education series going where we do different topics ranging from roundtable events to papaya, this thing called like papaya parties where you like learn about what a early um, early term abortion is and how they're done to ally groups like men's ally group talks. We have one coming up in November, November 18th, if anyone wants to come. Where? Um, it's at the it's at a courthouse downtown. Actually, it's funny. I emailed our um, the woman who's running it just today to be like, where exactly is this courthouse? <laughs> but um, <clears throat> she's uh, this girl, Eliza Orleans, woman, Eliza Orleans. Um, she was on Survivor twice, actually, and Amazing Race. And she's a New York City public defender. And so she's going to be talking about criminal justice and the intersection of that with women's rights and women's issues. So, yeah, uh, a lot of stuff with that, and it's super exciting and something I'm passionate about. And Laura Lee Gayer, another Broadway gal, is the founder of it, and it's a bunch of bunch of people in the Broadway community who are um, who are a part of it and supporting it. And, yeah, lots of stuff with that. We have a pretty fair split of male to female in our fan base, but I think that this is a cause that everybody can get behind. How can we get involved, and where do we find more info? Thanks. Um, so you can go to our Instagram page uh, where the hysterical women is spelled with an X. Um, some of my friends like to call it hysterical Wemexans, <laughs> which is always makes me giggle. <laughs> like they're like, how's hysterical Wemexans? <laughs> but it's um, hysterical women's society on Instagram. Um, you can also just visit my inst- my Instagram, Steph Martinetti, and I have plenty of links to Hysterical Women on there. Um, HystericalWomenSociety.org is our website. And we actually have a GoFundMe right now because while we're waiting for our 501c3 status, we need um, some funds to help us keep up with our education series and our startup costs and all that sort of stuff. So um, any support would be super appreciated. And it is an issue that it, it is applies to everyone, men and women, Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now, Steph, you've accomplished some incredible things on stage and off stage. But now it's about to get tough. Picture this. Ninth inning, two outs, tying run on third base, winning run on second, and Araldus Chapman is on the mound throwing 105. We call this fastball derby. I ask you a question, and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. How does that sound? Good. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> Favorite New York City meal? Oh, gosh. Um, Stanton Social. It's a restaurant downtown. It's like American tapas. Super tasty. Whose poster did you have on your wall growing up? Oh, I was obsessed with Jonathan Brandis. Does anyone remember him? He was like that movie Ladybugs. Um, Sequest, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> Alan knows. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like really into him when I was little. <laughs> oh, I was so jealous of his hair. Yeah. 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 It was very like voluminous. Right. <laughs> Red wine or white wine? Red wine, I think. Yeah. You're Italian, like me. Yeah, Let's yeah. go with the sauce. I do love Chianti. I love a good Chianti. Isn't that fantastic? Mm-hmm. You're a triple threat, Steph. You sing, you dance, you act. What's your favorite? Uh, acting, because that's sort of the basis for you know the other ones too. Go to pre-show ritual. Um, just drinking a ton of water and listening to podcasts. I'm sort of addicted to uh, the news podcasts. So news podcasts, yeah. And, you know, once your daughter's born and, you know, you, you, once you get back on stage and whatnot, you baseball, Broadway podcasts, <laughs> and anything yes. anything on the Broadway podcast network really is great content. So now you're just going to have another another source. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Most embarrassing onstage moment. Okay. Let me think about this. Oh, um, probably... During the Chorus Line tour, I um, started the tour as a cut dancer and covering a bunch of people on the line. And so I covered Christine, who's the one who can't sing. And her song is sort of like a patter song. Um, And I completely went up in the middle of it. And it's like, I could never really sing. What I couldn't do is sing. What I couldn't do is, you know, her husband Al is like, sing. (laughs) And... um, the lines are, it's a little like a, or a cross between a, oh, I know you're thinking, what a crazy. And I just completely went up on the, like that entire section and basically put both, like each hand on my, my face and turned to the guy playing out and I just shook my head at him. <laughs> like I had nothing. <laughs> I just shook my head at him <laughs> in the silence. And he, he, the, his line is ding a ling, and so he was just sang it at me, like while I was like, I, I got nothing for you. I don't know. <laughs> when, the, when the song was over, I stepped back in line. Um, I was ne- the characters next to Mark, who was being played at the time by like, a really good friend of mine, David Hall, and Dave like leaned over to me and he was like, "Nice save." <laughs> <laughs> we have those in baseball too. Yeah, we do yeah. Have saves in baseball. <laughs> yeah. Favorite late night snack. Two show day, you get home, it's after midnight. What's Steph grabbing before she hits the couch? Um, well, I'm paleo, so some sort of paleo snack, like 
paleo crackers or chip, you know, whatever, all that sort of like snacky stuff, but it's all like from Whole Foods and paleo. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. Let's just touch on something quick. Mm-hmm. You're Italian mm-hmm. and you're paleo. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you go back to Rockland County? Like this mom probably has an issue with this. Yeah, it's in it. conflict. You know, my <laughs> husband is more has more of an issue because he he makes sauce and he like makes pasta from scratch and he's always like, I can't make you pasta, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, so every once in a while, I'll make sure that I, uh, I I break so that we can also sauce and meatballs. Well, as long as the meatballs don't have breadcrumbs in them, they're paleo. So actually, I was actually thinking that I need to ask him to make me sauce like this weekend because yeah. now that it's getting like cold out. And we got the holidays coming up and mm-hmm. everything too. It's kind of inevitable. Mm-hmm. Favorite moment of your career? After, um, so when I was doing nice work and we performed on the Tonys, they had like a the viewing party was just watching watching it in the house of the theater at the Imperial, and they had a TV set up on stage, and everyone was hanging out, and all our all our people could be there watching too. And so, getting to go back once you, once we had performed, and at, and at that point, Michael McGraw had won the Tony, and that was super exciting. And we got back to the theater, and my husband was there, and I just remember like hugging him and crying because it was just so exciting to have gotten to perform on the Tonys. Unreal. And lastly, best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? I don't even know. Uh Uh-oh. But can I give a piece of advice? Absolutely. And that would be a first here on Break Fat, so (laughs) go right ahead. Um, Just that if you... Well, this is like to performers out there or potential performers out there if you want to pursue this for a living. If there's nothing else you could be happy doing, then you should be doing this. That's what I say when I teach. It's sort of a tough road. If you think you'd be happy doing anything else in the world, then you should definitely go do that. That's awesome. But if there's nothing else that would make you happy, then you should be here pursuing this. That's really valuable and I couldn't agree more. Steph, you've been awesome. Thanks. So have you. (laughs) (laughs) It was a pleasure having you on. And uh, like I said, you can follow the Hysterical Women's Society on social media and Steph as well. Where can they find you, Steph? Steph Martinetti. um, That's my Instagram. uh, (laughs) M-A-R-T-I-G-N-E-T-T-I. Stay up to date on all those non-paleo meals that we hope the Martin Yeti family is going to serve <laughs> yeah, up. And yeah. hopefully, you know, you have, at least your husband's trying to make some homemade pasta. I Give know. it a shot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff. Well, that'll close out the ball game here on Break a Bat. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, 
it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.